Hello there. You are listening to At The Well, the weekly Bible podcast that helps you see yourself in the stories of scripture. I'm Jarrell. I'm Charles. And I'm Eli. And we're delighted that you're joining us for this week's discussion. Gentlemen, how is how has your week been? How, how are things? Things are good. I We were talking a little before, but I've decided to invest in growing a beard out. Um, so yeah, things- you have. Yeah. So we'll- I've put money into it. So, you know, it's, it's, it's actually happening. Although yesterday, as I was looking in the mirror, I thought I saw a piece of string in my beard and I went to reach it out or pull it out. And it was not a piece of string, gentlemen. It was a white hair, just like straight white hair, right in the middle of my beard. And yeah, that's kind of stinky. Oh, wow. Yes. You are now well seasoned with salt and pepper. Good for you. <laughs> I think it was more, I think you could say more, more accurately, a grain of salt. <laughs> I've got the, like season, gray the seasoning hair. begins. I'm fine. I'm fine. The week is okay. Um, I'm doing. <laughs> I don't have much to report at this point. That's fair enough. Yeah, we was fine. We are nearing the end of the semester at school, which means I keep getting emails from kids who are suddenly very concerned about assignments that were past due like several months ago. Um, so yeah, that's been fun, I guess. Uh, but we're, yeah, we're doing the best we can. There's also like kids who are, yeah, just adjusting as well as they can. And we see it's really difficult, but somewhere I'm like, dude, like you just... You just got to try. I'm not even grading things that hard. You've got like over a week to do them. You just got to try. I don't don't know what to tell you. (laughs) So yeah, that has been a low point of the week, but everything else has been been fine. Nothing too much to report. Sometimes no news is good news. (laughs) Yeah, agreed. Well, let's get things started with our question of the week. If you'd like to submit a question for us to answer, you can email us at threeguysatthewell at gmail.com. That's the number three. Then guys at the well, all one word and lowercase at gmail.com. This week's question is what movie made you cry the most? So I definitely ugly cried, like hardcore ugly cried um, at the Passion of the Christ. Um, I think I can't, I've never watched that movie with anyone who hasn't teared up in some way, shape or form. But I like wept hard the first time I saw it because I didn't, yeah. Um, but like playfully, like more playfully, less serious note, cried anime. A lot of anime make me cry. Um, because they're cartoon characters, well, sorry, animated characters who go through some really horrible things sometimes. And like they're very emotionally raw. And the voice acting, subbed forever, never dubbed, um, is so emotional and so oh, I love it. But yeah, it's heart-wrenching sometimes. So anime. So one of the things that always gets me is if there's actually like a real raw and emotional moment between a father and the son uh, and son. Um, So like growing up, there were movies like there's an, uh, there's a, there's a scene in Hoosiers where a father and son have some kind of reconciliation and I tear up then. Um, 
I, you guys have probably seen Roll Bounce. Um, I don't know if many of our listeners have ever seen Roll Bounce, but it's a great movie. You should watch it. It's like a light, fun movie, but there is an intense scene between Little Bow Wow and his, who's who, who plays the main character, and his father in their garage that I I like literally tear up every time. I mean, it's just it's heart wrenching. Um, so that's generally, but I think more recently, about two years ago when Chelsea was pregnant with Leah, we went to see How to Train Your Dragon, um, The Hidden World. It's the third one. Yeah, The Hidden World. And first of all, How to Train Your Dragon is probably one of the most underrated trilogies of all time. It is fantastic. Um, everyone needs to Better go watch it. It is fantastic. And the the conclusion of the trilogy, The Hidden World, is one, I mean, it's just, I could talk about it forever. But the one of the ending scenes I was sitting in the theater and the, and the ending scene happens and I just started crying, just like flat out, just weeping, crying. And I think it was because like, it has to do with family. I'll, I'll leave it at that. And my family was about to start with Aaliyah's birth at that point. I think she was a month away from being born and it just got me. It just really got me. And, and Chelsea turned to, to me and she said, are you crying? And I was like, no, you're crying. And then as tears are pouring down my face. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you poor thing. Oh man. <laughs> but it's it's such a good movie. Everyone go watch, watch the trilogy. It's so good. But that that's that's the most recent movie that got me. That's fair. It is a it is an exceptional trilogy. And the ending is just like, yeah, it's one of those heartwarming things I've seen in a movie in a long time. So for me, I, I, generally speaking, over the course of my life, do not cry much at movies. But for the last several years, like movies have just like gotten me like more, like aggressively almost. Like I normally just don't, but I don't know if I'm just getting more emotional as I get older or what it is. But there's some movies that just like get me. So literally, like, and this is no surprise, but Pixar has just been picking on me for a while now. Because there are movies that, like, when I was in high school, there's sad scenes that, like, made my mom cry but didn't get me. Like, the first couple minutes of Up or the end of Toy Story 3. Like, those are movies that, like, like oh, that's so emotional, but it doesn't really get me. But it, Inside Out broke me twice. Like, I saw it in theaters twice, and it got me both times. Um, Coco got me. Onward got me. Soul, which I recently watched, got me. Like, at just different points, they've all just made me cry. Uh when I like didn't expect to. Um, and I think some of it is just like the way the story is told, it just gets you like to Charles's point. It like coincides with something that I'm like currently going with. But I think the, the biggest one of those four is Inside Out because it resonates so much with like how I process emotions sometimes where like at the end of, I feel like I can spoil this because it's been out for a very long time, but like Riley goes through this season where she's overwhelmed and just kind of emotionally numb. And then she finally like snaps out of it while she's running away and comes home. And that scene where she finally comes home and like tells her parents how she's feeling and breaks down gets me every single time because it's like, I resonate a lot with like processing emotion in a way where it's like a lot's going on. Now I'm kind of overwhelmed. So I emotionally I'm distant and trying to like be there, but I can't. And then eventually when I do open up about it, then it's, it all just kind of, 
comes out. So like in that moment, I was like, Riley, you're just me. And I don't know what to do with that. So I'm just going to cry in this theater. Um, but yeah, Pixar has it out for for the late 20s version of me. They keep getting me. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Now, I'm sure we've got a lot of listeners who just in remembering some of these films are also crying. But, but wipe your eyes because we're going to start with this week's passage. This week's passage which is coming to us from Luke chapter 12, verses 13 to 21. If you have your Bibles and you aren't driving, you can start turning there now while I set the scene. Jesus preaches this parable while talking to an innumerable multitude so great that they were starting to trample over each other. In this setting, Jesus chooses to tell them a story that calls its listeners to take stock of their priorities and actively discern where, where they are storing up treasure. He who has ears, let him hear. Then one from the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have man's goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Gentlemen, what can we learn from this parable? Okay, there's so much to learn and pull away from this. But the first thing that came to mind was, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And our souls aren't these tangible things that need money and food and physical shelter. Um, your soul can't eat, drink, or rejoice in material things. So to tell your soul to rest easy simply because your body is satisfied, when Jesus teaches like this, when he teaches so like poignantly, I just think, wow, I am so short-sighted and stupid for believing the lie that my body and my soul require the same things. No, they don't. Like, not at all. Psalm 42.1 says, uh, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. And so our souls require something spiritual, not something material. Um, yeah, that was one of the biggest things that stood out to me immediately. Same here. Like there's, there's an illogical greed in this guy where he's, he's storing up perishable things. Uh, it, it just seems silly, you know, and, but it's, it seems silly reading it, but I'm, I know I've been, I've been that, that guy. But yeah, just reading it off the paper, it's like, what are you doing? You you storing, and especially since it's like crops, right? Like it's it's the fruit of the land that he's storing. That's perishable. Like not even in the context of like uh, like it'll last a lifetime. It, no, it won't. Your crops are going to go bad in like the very foreseeable future, and yet he builds bigger barns and thinks like that's gonna bring him. Uh, comfort and security and joy and all this other things and it's like it's gonna go bad in like a month <laughs> so th that was what struck out to me is like the 
illogical kind of greed and and kind of like there are other things pointing out to us there are other things that are worth uh investing in and possessing than than this material wealth this covetousness as as uh, i think the translation you read Jarrell says yeah there's also a sense in that of uh the way it's kind of worded sounds kind of like a like patting yourself on the back as well or it's like soul like you've uh you've had all these goods kind of like he's saying you done good jim you done good and it's like yeah there's a there's a mistaken sense in like where actual security and sustenance comes from but there's also a willingness to kind of revel in these material things as well just kind of like oh good job good job um, and so, yeah, there's something there and, and it gets to, it gets in the, in the next verse of like, this will happen to those who store up treasure, like earthly treasure, but is not rich toward God. So it's not just like, what is it that you have, but like, what is it that you were confident in? What is like, what do you boast about? Um, like Paul talks about like boasting in Christ and Christ alone and like reminding disciples that like salvation is a gift so that no one should boast. And so kind of this if you're going to be strong in anything, if you're going to be grateful or like outwardly expressive in anything, it should be in our confidence in who God is, not in uh, the things that we have. So yeah, it just felt a little like, ooh, look at me, I'm doing okay. Um, and even the the context in which Jesus like kind of calls this out is a guy who uh, has a an issue with his brother, which is not to say it's like insignificant, but yeah, this was like a very, like it says in the context here, like Jesus gave this preaching to like innumerable crowd. There were so many people. And you'd think that anything that Jesus says in this context is like to capitalize. There are a lot of people here. I'm going to say like things that they need to hear, but you've got someone who similar to the man in the parable has their focus on something way removed from what Jesus was about. And it's like, here's this healer, this teacher who's speaking about like the treasure that is the kingdom of heaven and this guy's like, yeah, no, so my brother's kind of a jerk. Uh, if you could just tell him that, that would be great. And it's like, it feeds well into this parable. It's like, you're missing the mark. That's not actually what Jesus is here for. There's this, uh, it, it's it's funny to me that a lot of, um, there's quite a bit of Jesus's ministry that is spent working to dissuade people from reliance on money. Like, so much i mean and it, it's such it's such an easy idol to serve and i was I've, I've been on youtube much more than i was prior to my time working from home lately and it's and quite a bit of it has been like these street preachers and reading commentaries against christianity and and sort of like where's the mob at right now like what are non-believers saying in a way like what, what's the conversation and so one of the many commentaries i I, or critiques, which was silly, but one that keeps popping up is this misquote of 1 Timothy 6.10. And what 1 Timothy 6.10 actually says is, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Um, but I've heard it misquoted as money is the root of evil. And it's like, and, and the common critics are saying, well, if money is the root of all evil, then why is the church needed so much? And it's like, no, no, no. You, first of all, you haven't read the Bible. But secondly, this this love, this dependency on money 
is to say that I need this in order to be in a good place. I need this to be like, I'm not going to depend on God for any of my stability. He can't, it's almost to say he can't provide. He is not sufficient. And what an insult that is to a God who's, who is someone who makes promises and keeps them, who like, who promises Paul, like my powers made perfect in weakness. Like where you are deficient, I am more than enough, right? Like back to season one, I have all the quail. Right. <laughs> I was gonna say that if you didn't. <laughs> and so, like, it's in the face of a sufficient and almighty God, it is it is wicked to sit there and, and count bills like this. This is what I need. This is what my life needs to be about. Um, like ambition for wealth and dependency on financial stability uh, for the sake of giving you a good life is foolish. So a common trope is help yourself before helping anybody else. And like, wait until you're in a good place before you do anything. And, and the truth is that like money is having a, having a, a fat wallet isn't going to make you a better person. Having an excess of money doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to suddenly become like more gracious of a person uh, in the world. Like newsflash, you can be both rich and selfish. Um, and, and wealth is a really easy idol to succumb to. And I, I feel like Christ spent so much time in his ministry speaking about it because it's so easy to fall prey into. We, we trick ourselves into thinking that like this will give me the, the room I need in my heart to want to help people, to want to give to the poor man, to want to offer a tithe. I need to be making this, that, and the other before, before, I, before I can become obedient to God. And, and in a wealthier nation, that's a lie that's commonly told. And quite frankly, I mean, a prosperity gospel. We're told that, you know what? Hey, maybe God believes that too. So just wait on that check from God because he's got you. And I'm, it's exhausting uh, to hear that lie constantly um, repeated in our country, but it is. Yeah, and to that that point you just made, there's there's something about like, wait till or I can't give of myself until I've, I've prepared and I've taken care of myself. Well, there's, I think there's something in this parable speaking to um, the idea of generosity. And as image bearers, we are supposed to reflect Christ, the personality characteristic and traits of Christ. And what did Christ did, do? He gave of himself fully and completely. He was, our God was generous to the point of giving his son up for us that we might be reconciled back to him so we're supposed to be generous not only with our the the money and financial wealth but just with our our, our gifts talents and abilities which we've, we've spoken about in a couple uh, episodes previous so it doesn't matter what state in life we are we're called to be generous and it's not like i need to reach a certain level no we're supposed to give of ourselves and our our material possessions for love of god and love of neighbor which is i feel like i've said almost every episode this season um so I, yeah i think there's there's a call to to a, um a state of generosity and and not necessarily which is the opposite of of covetedness right like uh withholding and, and, and reserving for myself as opposed to giving um, to others. And to your other point, um, I, I really think like, obviously there's a lot here about not possessing wealth. And, you know, Jesus says it's um, easier for, or for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. 
I think it is worth noting that like, uh, especially, I'm just gonna quote this commentary I read. It says the parable does not prohibit wealth, which I think is an important thing to say. It's not like, and, and that's your point, Eli. It's, it's the love of money is the root of evil, not money. So the parable does not prohibit wealth. The commentary continues, it says, Jesus clearly warns his hearers concerning the dangerous internal implications of wealth with its seductive tendency towards complacency, self-sufficiency, and covetousness. So I, I know we, we all know some fairly wealthy people who are ardent followers and disciples of God. And so it's not, it's not the wealth, it's not financial stability, but it's that um, interior disposition. So I think that I thought that was important to, to share as well. Okay. While you were talking, Charles, like everything you said just triggered this stream of thoughts. So I'm going to, I'm, I typed as much as I could. So Jesus chose poverty, and that's a big deal. Like, that's how he postured himself as a poor man. And I think sometimes there's this safeguard that money, or all the time, that there's this safeguard that money gives us. And the more money you have, the less you actually have to give of yourself. And that's why Jesus chose poverty, because he wanted to give himself. And he wanted to show his disciples that what I want you to spend is yourself, but people would rather spend cash than themselves because it's easier to accomplish things, surface level things with that. I loved everything you said, Charles. Praise be to God, because that there was a lesson embedded in there that I that that speaks to the posture that that Christ chose when he chose poverty. Love it. Ooh, people would rather spend cash than themselves. I, I see you, Eli. Put it on the merch. Merch. Put it on a t-shirt. Wait, isn't that little backwards to, to have it on merch, which costs money? Chill, the merch. We're, we're speaking about the parable of the rich fool, fool here. Chill, the merch. Oh, man. Merch doesn't even working. exist right now. Yeah, merch does not exist. These are our bars. Mer- These are the bars that we're still- <laughs> That is t-shirt worthy, though. Well, Well said. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, both of you kind of got into what was going to end up being my question. I think you covered quite a bit, it, which is, you know, Jesus warns here about being rich toward God and not toward like these earthly respectives. And I was going to say, well, what does that look like? Uh, acknowledging that it's not money, but the love of money that kind of corrupts our view of like sustenance, independence in God. Um, acknowledging that Jesus chose poverty for the purpose of modeling this for us. Like, what does this look like for, you know, people who maybe don't consider themselves to have a love of money, but like, you know, have bills, right? Like, I don't think I'm a, I particularly would consider myself as loving money, but I definitely can see myself to both of your points of considering certain bills or like debts and thinking, okay, if we can just get this paid off by this point, then we'll be in a position to do this and kind of without realizing it kind of extrapolating out like this uh the the rich fool here and saying oh and maybe it's not building a barn but it's like okay if we can just kind of consolidate this into that and pay this off and like it's so kind of strategizing in a way where sometimes i'm kind of leading with vision of what to do with wealth instead of like yeah maybe not leaning onto the lord as much so i don't know what do you for Christians who want to reject the love of money, but also recognize and even want to be responsible financially and, and to steward their wealth for the purposes of the kingdom, I guess, what are some 
practical th- advice that you guys would give? I think you would just, for me, you kind of answered the question within the question. I think there's, there's something about stewarding the resources that we have well. I think there's, there's some practical things when we're talking about money, right? Like, and, and this is a soapbox of mine, but like have a budget and, and track it and steward the resource, the financial resources that you have, which only come from God because everything comes God well, and you can't do that unless you have a budget. That's a whole nother thing um, that I, we don't have time because I could talk about that forever. Um, But within that, there's also something about Eli, you said like, there's this trope in non-Christians about like, well, why does, why does, why do Christianity, why do churches need money? Well, the reality is that there's, there's a need within the body of Christ to have financial resources to, to serve the body of Christ. Um, And so within that, there's also like, we need to be financial stewards of, of the financial resources that we have. And within that, it should be our tithe and almsgiving. And it doesn't, you know, there, what that, whatever that looks like is different from each one of us. But I think um, if there's this concept, this reality that everything we have is from the Lord and belongs to the Lord, the least we can do is give, give back um, a little bit of what we earn. And so, you know, the tie is literally 10%. It comes from the Bible. That's what I try to do um, is I try to give 10%. I don't always hit that, but there it's, it's this, it's more of the sentiment of acknowledging that the money I, I, I make is first and foremost, the Lord. So I'm going to give a little bit back to him and for the purpose of, of kingdom work. So that's one practical or maybe two practical things that I think uh, that come to mind. Yeah. I think, yeah, budget is key. Like, I think, so two things I have is one, maybe in your budget, you would include like, all right, I want to be able to give to the homeless people who I encounter in my life. So maybe you budget out and like, so I don't carry cash with me unless I'm going to give it. And this is a real thing. Like, I don't carry cash with me unless I'm going to offer it up to somebody. Like, that's the only reason I would carry cash with me is otherwise I just don't find it safe or practical. So budget for almsgiving to people who are in need. Secondly, I would I would not limit your giving of yourself to the amount of cash you have, to, to your income or to like so so much of the service that we're called to as disciples of Jesus doesn't even require cash, if I'm going to be completely honest. Um, it more so requires time and effort. Um, and those are free. And that's based solely on your willingness and how much of a servant you want to be in the moment. And so like, my second point is, don't think that it always needs to have a dollar, a dollar bill attached to it. Don't think your service always needs to have a dollar bill attached to it. And that that ties into your point as well of like, being willing to spend yourself, not just cash. And so yeah, not putting a cap on, I'm not making enough to do anything. It's like, exactly here. So exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you guys hit on some really good, good practicals. I think mine is a, it's a practical note about like just the way we think about money. And I think it's helpful to get into the habit of asking why. So, you know, what, whether you're single, married, whatever state of life that you're in, you know, finances are a very real part of that. And stewarding your finances are going to be a very real part of just adult life. So I think it's really helpful and it's been really helpful for me uh, as an individual, but also for my wife and I 
to get in the habit of if we know we need to in how we set our budget together, but also in like different expenses that come up, you know, talking about what actually is consistent with the life we've been called to and do the purchases we, purchases we make and don't make line up with that. Um, and so asking yourself, like, what is your relationship with money? Like, what is your relationship with wealth? Like, what do you think the purpose of it is? And so like, like right now we're looking, uh, looking to move. So like we're looking at homes. And so a question we ask a lot is like, is this consistent with what we feel called to? Is this a place that we could host people well and like uh, welcome someone in more effectively? Is this like, just so questions that get to, this is the mission that we feel the Lord has given us in a way to practice hospitality and like service is what we're considering consistent with that and not oh, is it just a big house for the sake of a big house? Or like if we're replacing like a vehicle or something, is it a nice car for the sake of a nice car? And so I think a, uh, something, yeah, something that's really helpful no matter what stage of life you're in is considering the reasons why, like you're considering the things that you are potentially purchasing and seeing, is there anything in there that comes up that's like, well, I don't, this is more of a status thing. Or is it going too far in the other way where it's like, I'm just going to get the cheapest thing possible because I think that that's more holy to the point of being impractical and inconsistent with your mission. And so I get getting to the root of why you make the purchases that you do um, and how it reflects or doesn't reflect what the Lord has called you to is just a good practice that I think gets to the heart issue of over-dependence on wealth and over-dependence on resources, as opposed to trusting in God for our needs. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks so much for listening. You can check us out at atthewell.podbean.com. We upload new episodes every Monday on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. You can also connect with us on Instagram and Facebook by searching Three Guys at the Well. And if you want even more content and would like to help this podcast grow, consider becoming a patron and head over to patreon.com forward slash at the well for exciting bonus content. We'll talk to you next week here at the Well.